Thanks, guys. Grab a seat, please. Hey, uh, great to be here in Tuggera. It's awesome. It's fantastic. I was here in the tent. And uh, this is about ten times better, though. Come on. I mean, the good old days and now. Is that right? It's not, oh, you know, I remember when we were back in the tent. Forget it. It's gone. It's over. We're here. This is fantastic. And uh, let's push the wall out. Let's build an auditorium that will reach the central coast with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What do you reckon? God's looking for people who are committed. God's looking for people who get excited about him. And it's absolutely fantastic. And I just bring greetings from Pastor Phil and Chris Pringle down at Oxford Falls. And Pastor Phil and Chris, I actually uh, have known them since 1977. And uh, in fact, my wife, as an 11-year-old girl, was sitting in church in 1971. And these two hippies came forward and got saved. And that was Phil and Chris Pringle. A month later, they got married. And as Chris was walking in and a wedding gown, my wife, Carrie's mother, handed her a bouquet and said, just carry this as you walk down the aisle. She said, okay. Down she went and got married to Phil. Isn't that amazing? But isn't it amazing what God can do when one or two people get their hearts fully committed to him? You know, it's D.L. Moody, the great preacher of the 19th century, said these words, the world has never seen a man who's fully committed his heart to God. I pray I will be that man. Well, I see around me a whole bunch of people, a bunch of young people, a bunch of slightly older people. You know who you are. And can I say what great potential we have if we can just get committed to God and just submit our lives to him and say, hey, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do for the extension of your kingdom. I'll tell you what, God will do great things in you and God will do great things. So why don't you give Jesus a great clap offering? But I tell you, it's exciting. God's on the throne, and we've got this great presence conference coming. I'll talk about that later on tonight. And uh, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. I just want to encourage you to um, just just to position yourself where God can speak into your life. And I'd like you to just look, just turn without further ado. Let's get into the Bible tonight. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Ready from the NIV? This is a great passage of scripture. It talks about somebody who's on the lowest end possible of the social spectrum. I mean, this guy has got nothing. He's lame. He can't walk. He's a beggar. He has no money. Only a few friends and family. No prospects. No faith. Nothing. But you know what? Within 10 verses, his life, as we read it, is going to be completely turned around by the power of God. And there's people here tonight, you're not here um, just by a fluke or an accident or you just thought you'd turn up tonight. You're here by divine appointment. You, and In fact, Esther 4.14 says this, Who knows that you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? And God's got his hand on your life. We just get open to God. It's going to be good. Now, let's just read this passage here. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. Just note that. Peter and John are going to the temple at the time of prayer. Three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth. Okay, here we go. This guy's never walked in his life. Never. 
was being carried to the temple gate. Just notice something there. I'll preach on that in a minute. That's good. I've read this passage about a hundred times. Just notice something right there. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Brother, he's obviously had the call of God to be a minister. Hallelujah. They're always asking for money, have you noticed? But anyway, Peter looked straight at him, as did John, as most of you would have. Silver and gold have I none. <laughs> I'm given to the building program till it hurts. But anyway, silver and gold have I none. But what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth Walk, taking him by the right hand. He didn't give him a hand out. He gave him a hand up. That's what the community on the... I'm just noticing that. I better stop preaching up. Big on. Okay. People don't need a hand out. They need a hand up. Into the presence of God. Okay. Take him by the right hand. He helped him up. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts. That's interesting. Right? Walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful and are filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Praise God. Can we just close our eyes and let me pray right now. Father, we, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray you would have your way here tonight. And Lord, I pray for every person in this auditorium. I pray that, Lord, our hearts will be open to hear what your spirit is saying to the church tonight. Speak to us. Just be open, everyone, tonight. Lord, I pray that you would shift hearts and lives. Do some eternal adjustments tonight in people's lives. In Jesus' mighty and wonderful. We're open to you. Just open yourselves up to the Holy Spirit. We're open to you. Speak to us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Okay, here we go. Well, this is exciting. I'm getting some downloads just reading it. It's really good. What I want to preach on tonight is this. Often we think, God, you know, God help me. God touch me. God bless me. I need a fresh touch of God on my world. Anybody ever prayed that? Anybody ever? Nobody. Just the front row. Come on. Give me some love. Hey. And we're saying, God, give me, you know, help me. Give me some love. You know, I just want to do something for God, but God, I need you to come and help me. Well, listen, I really believe this. Phil Pringle said these words, and they're two of the smartest things he's ever said. Two of the smartest things. The first, the smartest thing he ever said was, Mark, come on, staff, pastor. That was number one. The second smartest thing he said was this. He said, this is how it works in the kingdom of God. God moves, then you move. Then God moves, then you move. I want you to know that God has moved tonight. God, Jesus has come down to earth. He's died on the cross for the sins of the world. He's ascended into heaven. He sent the Holy Ghost. You've got a Bible. You're in church. God's moved. Now it's your turn to move. And I want you to, this is my message tonight is this. Position yourself in the presence of God. Position yourself. Move, adjust areas of your life, position yourself where God can bless you and change your world. Position yourself. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, position yourself. Okay, here we go. Now listen, there's three things here that we need to do. I reckon there's three big factors in repositioning our lives so God can touch us, God can do miracles in us, and God can use us. Three things. Number one, we see as all is one. It says here, one day Peter and John. Now, who you are and where you are tonight is to a large extent a direct result of the people you hang around with. You see, Proverbs 13 and verse 20 says this, a companion of wise men becomes wise. A companion of fools will be destroyed. Who are you hanging out with tonight? You hang around with... And here we go, Peter and John are coming to town. Who are Peter and John? Peter and John are people who are fish, they were guys who are fishermen, they're tough, mean, rough customers, a bit like the worship leader tonight, that God's done something in his life. And then the wolf man. The wolf man. Oh, it's exciting. But anyway... These guys are fishermen, they're tough, they're mean, they're rough. Jesus comes by, calls them into the ministry. They're there at the Sermon of the Mount. They hear the greatest sermon ever preached in the history of the world. They're there distributing the loaves and the fishes after Jesus has broken them and done miracles to 10,000 people. They're there, they see Jesus um, ascending from the Mount of Olives into heaven. They're there in the upper room on the day of penance. They get filled with the Holy Ghost. And in Acts 2.43 says, Many miracles were done through the ministry of the apostles. Peter and John have already done numerous miraculous acts. And look, can I just say, they're the sort of people who need to be... How did he get to the gate beautiful? How did he get there? He was carried. Now look at me, everybody. There's sometimes in our lives, and even Bono sings this, sometimes you can't make it on your own. Is that right? I want to thank God tonight for friends, for brothers and sisters who, when I can't make it, they pick me up and they carry me to the house of God. Let's give Jesus a clap off. I just noticed that. And maybe these people didn't have a lot of faith, but they, they stood by their lame friend and they carried him to the house of Almighty God. He, at least he had some good friends and his friends positioned him so he could get blessed and he could get healed. You see, God didn't design for people to be lame. When he gave you legs, they were for walking. Is that right? He gave you hands to grasp a hold of things and turn pages and, and, and drive. That's why he gave you hands. He gave you a mind to think. He gave you eyes to see. He gave you a mouth to speak. And God is in the miracle working business. He didn't design that man to be lame from the big foundation of the earth. He had designed this person to walk and not only to walk, but to praise God and glorify him with his life. That's, and that's what you're designed for. You know what it says right in Habakkuk 4, I think it is. It says this, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. And he makes me ascend in the high places. You're designed for God. You're designed by God and for God. You're designed for fellowship. I'm not talking about religion. Save us from that. If it's religion, 
let's go down to the last, next restaurant and let's hit the road. I'm not interested. I'm interested in a relationship with a God who loves us. And, got, and that's what God has designed us and built us for. In fact, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3, it says this, in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says this, he has placed eternity in the heart of man. God has placed eternity in the heart of man. And I tell you, if you don't have God in your life, you will have a God-shaped vacuum. It's a round hole. You can belt as many square pegs, sex, drugs, rock and roll, materialism, sport. You can bang them all in. None of them will fit. None of them will make you happy. But when you meet God, the God who designed you for fellowship, to walk with Him, then you get happy. Come on. Praise Him. I'm working hard tonight. Whoa. That's it. That's it. He's positioned for a miracle. And you are positioned for a miracle. You're positioned for the presence of God when you get into touch and into fellowship with men and women of God. Numbers, you know what, because what people have on them is transferable. Numbers 11, Moses is struggling. He says, God, I've got a nation. Three million people in the wilderness. I'm struggling. I can't look after the whole lot of them. I can't do it. God says, it's okay. I want you to get 70 elders, seven zero elders. Get them up the mountain. And, says, and so they all got up the mountain. God says, right, Moses, I'm going to take the spirit that's on you and I'm going to rub it off onto those 70 elders. And as he did, he took the spirit that was on Moses and spread it onto those 70 elders and they began to prophesy and worship God and they were made into ministries that reached out and touched those 3 million people. Isn't that amazing? Because where did the spirit, oh, the spirit came from God? Yeah, it came from God via Moses. It was the spirit that was on Moses. Listen, hang around this guy. Hang around this woman. Hang around men and women of God. They will do you good. They And what they've got will rub off onto you. Isn't that awesome? I found them all up now. I'm 52 years old. Everybody say, no. Yes. You thought I was 62. Come on. I have learned one thing in my life, and it's this, or a bunch of things, but one of them is this. If ever I want to advance in any area of life, I just find someone who knows more than me, and not just talks a good game, but has got runs on the board in that area of their world, and I'll go to them, and as long as they love God and they love me, and I say to them, what should I do in this area that you have got fruit in? What should I do? They say, Saundy, do this, and I'll go... Thank you very much. As long as it's not illegal, immoral, or it's not in the word, I will do it. I or fattening. Yeah, I'll do it. I will do it. Recently, I was at the gym. I was at the gym. In fact, I was flying to America, and I get on the plane. I'm flying to America. I'm going to preach over there and see my daughter, who's pastoring over there, and my granddaughter in San Diego. I get on the plane, and the steward walks up to me and he says, "Hi, my name's Kurt, and I've seen you at the gym." I went, "Hello." An air steward called Kurt, who's noticed me at the gym. I thought, I've still got it, but the problem is it's with guys. Anyway, and I thought, oh, well, you know. And you know what? Then I'm at church at Oxford Falls, and he comes up to me. Hi, I'm Kurt. Oh, hi, how are you? He says, yeah, this is my wife. These are my kids. And we come to church here. I went, oh, of course you do. Hallelujah. But you know what? He goes to the gym. I go to the gym in the morning. And he goes to the gym, and, mate, he is built like he is, he's 50, he's got a flat stomach, 
his arms like this. He does wide-arm pull-ups, 12 at a time. He's pumping all this on. And I went to him. I said, Kurt? He said, yes. Help me out here. You have got runs on the board. How do you get to be like that? And it's like that with money. It's like that with relationships. It's like that spiritually. It's like that physically. In every area of life, find someone further on the road than you are and say, look, coach me. See, Australians love sportsmen and they worship these sportsmen. But then, and, and you know what? Then they say, well, nobody tells me what to do. But oh boy, I really love these guys. All those great sportsmen are great because, are champions because they're coached. Because they're submitted to somebody who knows more than them. But as Aussies, we go, oh, no, no, no one tells me what to do. Well, you know what? All of us need a coach. All of us need to get around people who can help us out and, and reach down and give us and I said to you too, why were Peter and John, why were they the way they were? Were they born good? Were they born anointed? Were they born with miraculous powers? No. Just over the page in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. Peter and John, they do this miracle. They heal this lame man. He's running around. They cause a commotion. They get arrested, as you do. And they stand before the Sanhedrin, the religious rulers of the day, and look, why were Peter and John the way they were? Look what it says here. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. Could all the ordinary men and women put their hand up tonight? Keep it up. When they saw the boldness, they, they realized these haven't been to theological college. These are unschooled, ordinary men and they took note that they had been with Jesus. They had been and you know you can put your hands down praise God but listen what made Peter and John into champions? They had been around the champion. What made this lame man walk? He came into contact with men of God who had been with Jesus. And how did he get there? His friends carried him into a place where he bumped in to two men of God. Position yourself in your relational world around men and women of God who will help you to grow and be all that God has called you to be and help you to walk the way God has called you to walk. Not just walking, but leaping and praising God. In his house. Hang around people of God. Let's give Jesus a clap for me tonight. That's point one. Point one. We're getting there. Point one. Now point two is this. You've got to find the right people. You've got to position yourself around the right people for the presence of God. Positioning yourself for the presence. You've got to position yourself for the right people. But you've got to also position yourself in the right place. Look what it says here in Acts 3, 1. One day, Peter and John, they're the people, were going up to where? The temple. And this guy, the lame man, is carried to a gate at the temple, and it's a gate called Beautiful. It's called, what's it called? Listen, you might be in a position where you're hurting, you might be in a position where you're underperforming 
But that place can be turned into a beautiful place. If you're in the right place with the right people at the right time, God can do something significant with your life. I think of Abraham. We're talking about sacrifice. We're talking about offerings. In Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis chapter 22, Abraham finally, at the age of 100, has finally been able to have a son. And he's overjoyed. He's over the moon. He's excited. And this boy Isaac grows up. And Abraham's, you know, now he's 120. And Isaac's 20. He's so excited. Whoa. And then God speaks to him. Genesis 20. Now listen. Abraham, you love your son? Yeah, I love him. Is he fantastic? He's fantastic. Right. Is he the best you've got? He's the best I've got. Go and take him to a place that I show you and sacrifice him. Kill him. That's what he says in Genesis 22. And so in Genesis 22, 3, early the next morning, he's up. He says, all right, God, you've never let me down in the last 80 years. I'm going to trust you on this one. Early the next morning, Genesis 22, 3, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out, listen, he set out for the place God had told him about. He's going to a place to encounter God. Okay? I'm going to a place. See, God wants to shift where you are right now into another place where God can bless you, can challenge you, and take you to a whole new level. You've got to go out into another place in God. And then, just over the page, verse 9, when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar, arranged the wood on it, tied his son to it, took the knife to kill him, and God said, stop. Don't kill the boy. Now I know that I am number one in you. Not what I've given you. It's not what I've given you that you love primarily. It's me that you love primarily. Just look over there and you'll see something. Abraham looks and there's a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. Abraham gets, puts it on the altar, sacrifices it in the place of his son. And then it says this, Genesis 22 and verse 14. I want you to underline this. You see, we go, well, I love God. God is Jehovah Jireh. You know what? The Bible never says that God is Jehovah Jireh. It's interesting. Look what it says here in Genesis 22 and verse 14. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. Or Jehovah Jireh. He called the place Jehovah Jireh. Now I looked this up on Friday. Five different Bible dictionaries. All of them completely concurred He called, not God, Jehovah Jireh, he called the place up the mountain where he was challenged and met with God and overcome, overcame, you know, the temptation and the test. He called that place Jehovah Jireh. Some of us need to go up to that place tonight. 
Some of us need to be shifted out of our seats tonight and come to the altar and say, I'm coming to a place in my life where I'm encountering God, I'm putting it all out there for God, and in that place, God will see me, God will meet me, and God will provide for me in that place of faith. Let's give Jesus a clap tonight. That's the truth. It's about the people we meet, and it's about us going to a place. He went to the temple. Jesus, you know, the lame man was at the temple. You want to encounter God, Come to this church and you will encounter God. Come to this place. You see, Paul, you know, by contrast, Paul says this. I wish all men everywhere, all men everywhere would lift up hands without wrath or doubting. You know, in the Old Testament, it was only the Jews. New Testament, it's all men. Old Testament, it was only at the temple. New Testament, it's everywhere. Listen, nowhere's holy or everywhere's holy. A place is a holy place when you say it's holy. When you say, you know what? Tomorrow morning I'm getting up, I'm walking throughout Wyong, throughout Arimba, throughout where, which, where San Rima, wherever you live, that becomes a holy place because you consecrate it to God. And this feet that you of the places where your feet are stepping on, that becomes the holy place because you've said so. And I love what it says in, in James 4.8, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. See, God's made the first step. Now we need to take the initiative. We need to step out to a new place and say, you know what, I, we're, I'm, I'm going to meet God this morning. If you say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to meet God tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock down the road at the park down the road from my house, Draw near to God and he will, God will turn up. That will become a holy place. That will become a holy time, whenever you want it to be, because God wants to meet with you more than you want to meet with him. Which brings me to my next point. Guys, do yourself a favor. I can guarantee you this, this conference, God will turn up. The question isn't if God will turn up. The question is, will you turn up? If you turn up, God will bless you. You will have an encounter with God. It will shift your world. You, you know, just say, hey, you know what? At Darling Harbour, April was it the 21st to the 24th? Or yeah, 21st to 24th on April. I don't even know when it is. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm going to turn up. I'm going. You know what? Because God's going to be there. Sometimes, okay, oh, God bless me. No, no, no. Get in your car, drive down the freeway, get to Darling Harbour, walk in, and God will turn up. God's going to be there on that night. Now, listen, God can be here, God can be there, God can be everywhere, but I tell you what, I know God's going to be there. Do yourself, you know what you need? It's 50 bucks. Fair income is four nights. What's that? $12.25 a night. Hello! You can't even get into the movies down the river for that, for Pete's sake, or Tugger or whatever it is. God will be there. God will turn up. Will you turn up? Why don't you register for this? Why don't you... Where are you staying? What hotel are you at? Goldsboro. Goldsboro. You got any spare beds in the room? Because Who would like to stay with Pastor Phil and Julie? They got some room in there. Yeah, hands going up. Awesome. 
Fantastic. Seriously, you know what you should do? Get a whole bunch of seats together, go as a block, and say, here we are, Christian City Church, Tugra. We're going to get it a positive God, and we're going to bring it back to the Central Coast. Come on, I dare you. Turn up. Be there or be square. Okay. You see, there's something about a place. There's something about people repositioning the place where you're at, repositioning the people you're hanging out with, and, re- and, and there's something too about positioning yourselves in a moment of time. You see, this man turned up, Peter and John came to the temple at the time of prayer. The right people in the right place at the right time. Moses was called of God to deliver Israel He was the right man in the right place, but he got the timing wrong. See, here's the deal. Ecclesiastes 3 again says this. Ecclesiastes 2, I think it is. There's a time for all things under heaven. There's a time and a season for everything. Understanding the time and season is a really important thing. I mean, today, it's a beautiful warm day, is that right? You don't walk around in raincoats and and, and, and and boots and, and beanies. We're in Wyong, aren't we? Isn't that the way it goes? And, you know, and, and duffel coats and, oh, you know, walking around. No, you don't. Wear a pair of shorts or a pair of jeans, wear a thongs, whatever, t-shirt. Recognize the times and the season. Um, David was going to be established as king of Israel. The Bible says, men of Issachar came who understood the times and the seasons and knew what Israel could do. Getting the timing right in your personal world is a really important thing in your life. Understand them. You see, Israel completely missed out. Jesus is having this triumphal entry. He's on a donkey. He's about to ride into Jerusalem, and he gets off the donkey. He's on a hill overlooking Jerusalem, and he begins to weep. And he cries. What are you crying about? He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks but you would not. He said, now the Romans are going to come in AD 30 under Titus. They're going to destroy the city. They're going to kill everybody in it. The ones they don't kill, they're crucified for thousands. The ones they don't will be sold into slavery and this city will be completely destroyed. And he said these words in Luke 19 and verse 44, because you did not recognize the time. You didn't recognize the time of God's coming to you. To recognize the time. Say, you know what? Where are you at right now? Where are you at in your world right now? What's the season for you right now? You know, sometimes it's tough. Psalm 23 is all, I think it's, I was reading it differently recently. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Summer. Beautiful seasons. Everything's going good. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Some awesome. A bit of a struggle. He restores my soul. Awesome. But tough. But hey, we're getting there. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, now it's winter. I will fear no evil. Your rod and staff comfort me. You anoint my head with oil. Now it's spring. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Now it's summer again. Surely goodness and mercy will follow. All the days of my life, I will dwell in the house 
And you know what it is? It's just recognising the seasons of life. Some, some days will be awesome. Some you'll be struggling. Simon McIntyre said these words. He just lost his beautiful wife, Helen, with cancer after battling for five years. And he was preaching recently and he said this, you know, so as Christians, all we want is summer. All we want is the sunshine. But you know what? All sun, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, makes a desert. Sun all day, all good times, all the time. You know what? That creates a desert. Sometimes we need those, those seasons of life are inevitable. And we need to walk through them with people. We need to walk through them with family. We need to walk through them with God. And keep, don't be like Ezekiel 37, the valley of bones in the, in the valley, they lay down. Don't lie down. Don't lie down. Don't leave the house. Don't get upset. Don't get an attitude. Build a bridge. Get over it. Keep walking. Keep walking. My time will come. My time will come. Everything says, my, you know what? My time will come. Say that. My time will come. You know what? There's been times, in, and I'll share this with you. There's been times in my life when actually I didn't go to Russia. I actually went to the United States. That's right. I went to the United States. I was pastoring a big church in, in a church of 6,000 people. And it didn't work for us. And I was so homesick. I missed Australia so much. I came back as a 40-year-old man and without a job, without a trade. And I got a job at the Spastic Centre of New South Wales. We didn't have any money. We had, we, you know, we'd, we'd lost all our money. And it was winter. And I walked, worked with people with disabilities. And you know what? That was a season in my life. But this too will pass. And we walk through these seasons, but we come out the other side. And Jesus is with us when you're broke, when you're rich. When you're in love, when you break up. When you have a great job, when you lose your job. Jesus is still there. And I'm not preaching doom and gloom. I'm just saying seasons come and seasons go. God's going to be there. Will you still be there? Will you walk through, recognize those times? These and things are going to change. Things are going to get better. Now I live one house from the beach in Narraveen. I drive an an orange X brand new XR6. I, tra I travel around the world preaching the gospel of Jesus. And that's not that's. I'm just saying, what goes around comes around. God is faithful. If we can just hang in there in the tough times, say God at the end of the day, like Job. He said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. And he got down on his knees and he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm going to still worship God. I'm going to still be here in the good times and the bad times. I'm still going to be there because Jesus was still there for us. You know what? You'll find that God is faithful, but we need to be people. And I'm going to finish with this who position themselves around the right people in the right place at the right time. God will do miracles in us. God will do miracles 